I think my parents played a huge part in developing this mindset at an early age that there are far more people out there that aren't as fortunate as we were. Uh, I had two parents that both worked full-time. Together, their combined income could not support our family. Uh, we certainly had to make sacrifices and, and go without things. We never went without anything that we needed. Uh, they found a way if there were, you know, my, my football cleats didn't fit from the year before, or I needed a new glove or whatever that may be. Always got it. And they always found a way to make it happen. But as we grew up, it was always instilled in us that that's not the case for everyone. And so ultimately, when, when I got to high school and college, the NFL, you know, my platform starts to grow and grow and grow, and I can reach more people and impact more lives. I got to spend a lot of time at University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital, and I just felt this connection to the families and the patients there. It was always just, I felt like I left the hospital asking myself how I can do more. So NFL football career is completed. What does life look like for you now? You'd expect it to be less busy, but ultimately that's usually how things go. Not as you expect, um, more busy, but it's busy in a good way. Uh, my kids are getting older, so their lives are becoming more crazy and chaotic. So busier, but also busier off the field. So, uh, so often as a current NFL player, our lives are very regimented. Everybody knows when we're in season, out of season, our schedules. I feel like I don't have a schedule that everybody knows about. So ultimately, it's just uh, you feel like you get kind of pulled in a million different directions. But it's extremely exciting. Uh, staying busy is really important, uh, especially as you retire at 33. Uh, I certainly don't feel like I retired. I think I just moved into the next chapter. That's awesome. And Having played football since you were just five years old, I've got to imagine the adjustment after retirement is a little different. What is that like not having that as a part of your everyday life? You know, Danica, for me, it was ultimately a decision. You can't play football forever. And I talked to a lot of older guys when I was a younger player in the league and each and every one of them that were fortunate enough to walk away from the game on their own said the same thing that you just, when it's time, you know, it's time. And for me, mm -hmm. this off season, as much as I kind of wanted to put those feelings aside, because as you mentioned, I played football since I was five years old. So right. of course I'm going to go play football again. But the more I started realizing what those feelings were and why I was having them, I thought back to all those conversations I had in the past where I said, this is it. This, this is my time. And for me, ultimately making that decision, I think it really helped when OTA started, when training camp started, when the first preseason games were on this past weekend with the regular season kicking off. I didn't feel like 
I missed it. Uh, I didn't feel like I was on the outside looking in and wanted to be out there, but couldn't. And I think that really helped my transition out of the game into what's next. And, you know, we'll talk about Altru a little bit on here, but it's allowed me to use my competitiveness and my drive and my hard work in a completely different aspect of my life. To be quite honest, I never thought I would find something that fills my bucket as much as football did. And yet here I am. I think Altru played a huge part in why I ultimately wanted to retire. It kind of pulled me out of the game. And I, I wanted to do that more than I wanted to play football. So we're going to get to Altru in a second, but I just have to jump back because you said 33 and you were talking to the old guys. 33 is not old. <laughs> well, in our world, as you guys know, 33 is ancient. It's like dog years. So uh, I just joked around with some guys on a, a Vikings podcast and they were, you know, I played in three out of the four stadiums that the Minnesota Vikings organization has ever played in. So uh, definitely looked at as the old guy in the locker room. Now, so now you're on, you're doing some broadcasting and um, analysts. You're on the other side of things. How, how's it feel? You know, is it still you know, I, your football, your football feel? <laughs> no, and that's exactly it, Shelly. For me, it was... I really never envisioned myself doing TV once I was finished playing. And uh, the opportunity was brought to me this past offseason to do a couple games. Uh, I got the chance to do some radio stuff, some different football podcasts. And I really feel like media gives me a great opportunity to remain within an arm's length of the game of football. I think people get the misnotion that media is an easy way to remain around the game because it's not, I, you know, I, I found myself preparing almost more than I prepared when I was playing because, you know, ultimately I'm studying two rosters instead of one. If we're playing the Green Bay Packers or the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, I only have to study the Detroit Lions. I don't have to study the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. So, for me, ultimately, I felt like it reminded me of what I'm used to from a preparation standpoint. I was able to keep that same regimen and routine from a mental preparation standpoint. But then I don't have the same commitment time-wise that I would have if I was playing or coaching. I can spend a lot more time around my family and kids. Super important. How old are your kiddos now? So we have identical twin girls. They'll be seven in a couple weeks. Uh, we have a four-year-old boy and almost two-year-old boy. So here, uh, yeah, here in November, we'll have seven, seven, four, and two. Uh, um, but it's a ton of fun. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you asked what I'm doing and how are things as I transition. I mentioned being more busy and life being more chaotic. And, you know, those four play a big reason why that's the case. You're getting into the fun years. Um, you know, mine are 20 and tw or 21 to 22 now. And um, we find, you know, my husband and I went to my eight-year-old nephew's baseball game that he was a bat boy at because we're like, what do we do with ourselves? <laughs> like, we need, we need the sports still in our life. <laughs> 
it's a ton of fun. And like I said, they're at the fun years. They're in all, I say three of them because the twins are essentially at the same phase of life, but they're all in a really different and unique phase with the girls being first graders, uh, all the things that they're into, gymnastics, dance, tennis, golf. uh, And then my four-year-old son, who is basically me reincarnated. uh, It's my mom, when she's around, she laughs because, you know, I get frustrated like any parent does. And she's like, that was you 30 years ago to the T. So you're, you're getting paid back for it. And then, you know, my son, who will be two here in November, you know, he's getting to a fun age as well, where now you're starting to communicate more and talk. And he loves to go out and play. And he rides his little balance bike around and keeps up with the family. And so all four kids, all three phases are really unique, really different, but all a ton of fun. Keeping you so, so busy, along with some other things that you do as well. And we'll get to all the great work that you've been doing off the field shortly, but we'd love to dive into a little bit about all of your giving back and what led you to create your own company, <laughs> All True, um, and to help essentially other nonprofits. So for me, I think my parents played a huge part in really developing this mindset at an early age that there are far more people out there that aren't as fortunate as we were. Uh, I had two parents that both worked full-time together. Their combined income could not support our family. Uh, We certainly had to make sacrifices and, and go without things. We never went without anything that we needed. Uh, They found a way if, you know, especially with sports, if there were, you know, my my football cleats didn't fit from the year before, I needed a new glove or whatever that may be. Always got it. And they always found a way to make it happen. But as we grew up, my younger brother, younger sister, it was always instilled in us that that's not the case for everyone. And, you know, ultimately that experience combined with my younger brother's experience at birth, he was born with neuroblastoma. Uh, My parents spent about the first year of his life in and out of Cincinnati Children's Hospital. I was the 15 month old big brother who, you know, as parents that both worked full time, you got to decide who's taking care of the sick newborn and who's taking care of the 15 month old. And oh, by the way, I mentioned they both work full time. So I just, I don't remember those times. I don't remember the experiences, but it was stuff that was passed along to us throughout the course of our childhood. Stories from grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, friends that were around. And so ultimately when when I got to high school and college, the NFL, you know, my platform starts to grow and grow and grow and I can reach more people and impact more lives. I got to spend a lot of time at University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital and I just felt this connection to the families and the patients there. I saw my younger brother in the patients that we visited. I saw myself and the siblings that were there in the room. Uh, I saw my parents and the patient's parents and It was always just, I felt like I left the hospital asking myself how I can do more. And so 
throughout the course of my time in Minnesota, New York, Tampa, throughout my career, I really felt a ton of support from the community, from our fan bases. Um, and, and ultimately that led me to meeting with one of my good friends in Minnesota, Jason Zucker, who played for the Minnesota Wild for a long time and coming up with this concept that is all true. And we felt like, how cool would it be to not only raise money for charity and uh, be a resource for other guys who have nonprofits or their own foundations that they're running Jason and I both know how difficult it is to raise money, the time, the effort, the treasure that it takes to raise money. So if we could be a resource, if we could be an asset to them and help them out, allowed us to just amplify the great work that they were already doing. Then the flip side of it is, while doing that and raising money for charity, we can also provide those great fans that I had talked about before who supported everything my wife and I did during our time in Minnesota and the two other places we were. What if we could provide them with once in a lifetime experiences that, you know, either money can't buy, or if you were going to put this experience in a live auction, there's only a couple people in the audience who are going to buy that. So it allows us to democratize the charitable giving experience to where, you know, you could donate as little as $10 and win something that money can't buy or would go for tens of thousands of dollars in a live auction. That's awesome. Being, you know, being and working in, in that foundation space um, and utilizing you guys for some of our athletes. Um, I can attest to there's something to be said about that $10 that you have that opportunity um, to be able to get, like you said, an experience of a lifetime. Um, and I think it's, um, I think it's important to give everybody that, that opportunity. You know, Shelly, I think too, one of the things that we try to do, especially as we continue to grow as a company, and now we have more resources, more levers to pull, you know, our saying is that charity always wins. We want to do everything we possibly can to get as many dollars as we can to these organizations. But in doing so, there's also an opportunity for us to highlight that incredible work, to show our consumer, our donor, where those $10 are going. And, you know, I mentioned before, if we can be a resource to our athlete partners, who are already doing incredible work. We can just be a little bit of gas on the fire for their work that they're doing in the community. It also allows us to show the other side, here's where your dollars are going. We can shine a spotlight on the nonprofit and really highlight the incredible work that they're doing. I think going back to those experiences, um, so often, you know, with all of the athletes that we work with, we talk about making that impact, right? But so often, like you talked about with you going to children's, you walk away impacted. Um, and, you know, for us, that's our ultimate goal, you know, that, that the individuals are, are impacted, the athlete is impacted. But is there a time or is there, was there a moment or a person or a situation, whether at children's or through one of these experiences that you've done that you really had that wow feeling to yourself? You know, during our time at the hospital, and we were actually just reminded of this, you know, through my recent retirement, we had a fellow 
the Vikings have posted and, and fans have posted a lot of old videos and content from my time when I was there. And, you know, one of those were a video when I was nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And it showed five or six patients, their families. And, you know, my wife and I are watching it and I had to walk away. She started crying. And it's like, we, we, we look at that and all of the patients had, had passed away. And, you know, a couple of the parents had passed away. And it was like, that was from, it was either 2016 or 2017. So in just a short period of time, um, you know, for us, while we're at the hospital, whether we're hosting the events or just visiting patients, it's always about how can we do more? And, you know, ultimately, the patients that we get closest with are the patients that are there every time we have an event. So they're there at Halloween, they're there at Thanksgiving, they're there at Christmas, and they're there for a long time because they're really sick. And I, I feel like, to your point about what do we get out of it, yeah, I feel like, like watching that video, it just reminded me of what each and every one of those kids did for me and the feeling that I got when I left them. Uh, we would visit on Tuesdays often during the course of the season. And whether we were coming off a big win where I thought I played well or coming off a tough loss and, and I was super pissed off because I didn't play well, I'd sit there in the hospital, spend time with those patients, and immediately I had about a 25-minute drive home from the hospital. It brought me perspective on what's important in life and what truly matters and as mad as I was about that game before or as excited as I was about the game before, it had absolutely no relevance whatsoever compared to what we were spending time with. And then <laughs> couple that with having children of my own. Um, we had the twins in 2016. So, you know, I thought I was impacted greatly prior to having kids of my own. And then I spent time in the hospital as a parent and it just, it hits you in a completely different way. So all of those experiences just, they, they brought me so much perspective throughout the course of my time there. And fast forward to the all true side. And now these experiences that I see our, our fans having and, and we're corresponding directly with them. And every single time it's, that was the greatest day of my life. That was the greatest night of my life. I can't believe I got to meet so-and-so and take a picture with so-and-so. And these are, these are our diehard fans. And, and I mentioned it's as little as $10. So this may be a fan who had a couple extra bucks at the end of the month and they wanted to support their favorite players nonprofit thinking there's no way I'll ever win this. And then we call them up on the phone and, and schedule a Zoom with them. And you see the reaction when they find it's like they I won the lottery. so interesting and to so impact, not only the impact that you receive, well. impact that you provide to other people that you encounter. But I know you mentioned once in one of your articles that um, you specifically pointed out like Packers fans, Eagles fans, Bears fans uh, tweeting about, you know, some of the campaigns that uh, you were involved in, especially you know, as a Minnesota Viking, I think it's so interesting where sports can be completely polarizing because people are so diehard with their team, but also they can bring people together in such incredible ways. So it's really neat to see the impact and the barrier being taken down too and bringing people 
fans of all all sports together. Absolutely, Danica. It's funny through the Walter Payton Man of the Year campaign that we did last year, we had 23 nominees that we raised money for. And one of those was Jared Goff in Detroit. And to help Jared out, I actually went oh. on local sports news in Detroit. And I'm like, this is a fan base that doesn't like me a whole lot. Um, you know, I've 10 years playing them twice a year. And for whatever reason, uh, I just seem to score a lot of touchdowns against the Lions. Right. So it's like, I started the interview. I'm like, I'm sorry, um, but hey, I'm here to help your quarterback. We want to raise money for the organization that's important to him. And mm. you're exactly right. Um, rivalries in sports are what make sports so special. But then philanthropy, charitable work, fundraising, giving, that all breaks okay, for barriers. A second. That all breaks barriers. And you know, it really removes these these rivalries. And you see it uh, over countless times throughout the, the league and players where, you know, J.J. Watt raising money for the hurricane in Houston. You had the, the Colts owner, a division rival, donating crazy amounts of money. Uh, you know, the DeMar Hamlin incident last year where $10 million is raised in a week because it didn't matter what team you were a fan of you saw the impact well, as that we this kind kid of was round out today to we ask it. all of our guests what does athletes doing good mean to you you've obviously done a lot of good in your career so what does that mean uh when when i see athletes doing good uh it, it just to me, it, it it validates everything that is good about people and about sports. Athletes have an incredible opportunity with the platform we have, specifically NFL players and the reach that we have. It allows us to impact lives that, you know, ultimately we don't even realize we're impacting them. But if you go about your life right. in a certain way. If you, you know, I always say it's not hard to be kind. Um, just just be kind to, to anyone and everyone, whether you're a Packers fan, a Lions fan, a Bears fan. I love the rivalries. It, it just, I'm going to be kind because that's just how I was raised. That's my nature mm -hmm. to the core. And and when we step inside the lines, that gives me 60 minutes to to not be kind. So when I see athletes doing good and using their platform, it just, you know, it really, you know, makes me feel excited to, to see them realizing the impact that they can have and the difference that they can make, and they're not wasting it. We have such a short period of time to, to use that platform and, and create a lasting Absolutely. legacy well, you that will go far beyond the small impact. number of years and that we, we actually We look play. forward to seeing everything that you continue to do with All True and the Vikings Foundation. And we look forward to watching you as an analyst. And we can't wait to see where it takes you. Yeah, thank you guys. This is a ton of fun.